Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. Welcome in, everybody, to this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Episode 9, we finally made it to 9. The the outward 9 has begun. (laughs) Anyway, cheesy saying, but here here we are off and uh, getting ready for for another good episode. I've got a a solid jam-packed one here with PGA Tour player, and I would say budding superstar, uh, Xander Schauffele. I am, if you want to bet, if I was a betting guy, and I am, I put the house on Schauffele to win a big major championship here in the next couple years. I think his game, I mean, gosh, we've seen how well he's played. He was one shot out uh, behind Tiger Woods in the Masters last year. Right in the mix on Sunday, right in the mix down the stretch, down to the 17th hole, needing to make birdie there. Didn't get it done. But think about that. That's through 71 holes of a pressure-packed major. That was his first, excuse me, second Masters that he's already knocking on the door at Augusta National in just his second visit. Says so much about what he's ready for. Think about Xander Schauffele. Think about Xander Schauffele and what he's done already starting off, right? This guy from the get-go, from the start, as a rookie in 2017, 2016, 2017, was ready to get started and rocking and rolling. Think about this. He wins in his 21st start on tour, right? 21st start as a pro, I should say. He wins on his 23rd start ever on the PGA Tour as a rookie. Compare that to other players. It took Justin Thomas, the world number one right now, it took him 44 starts before he got his first win. He didn't win as a rookie. So, you know, let's compare for a minute. How does Xander compare to these other top players? Yes, Roy McIlroy won Remember Wells Fargo there at Quail Hollow? So he won as a rookie. That was a, a pretty big event, I would say, but it was not the playoff finale. I mean, we're getting into the playoffs here. This is that time of the year, and that's a discussion here. But Xander, on a big stage, beat Justin Thomas there in that 2017 Tour Championship. I mean, this was for his second win. So he had a two-win rookie campaign. So, so look at what he's been able to do. His first win, of course, for Xander came at uh, Greenbrier in West Virginia. Now, look at the timing of it all, right? I, I'm just so impressed in so many ways, but he was coming off his first ever major championship was 2017 U.S. Open, Aaron Hills, where he had an outside chance of winning starting on Sunday, started five back, and of course, Brooks would go on to win that. But he finished tied for fifth in his first ever major championship. I think it says so much about Xander Schauffele, the very next month he gets his first tour win. So he was ready to go. I just, as a rookie, I'm just, I'm impressed. Obviously, you can tell I'm a fan of his game. I'm a fan of what he's been able to do on big stages, that he's finally was able to get into a team event. President's Cup playing for Tiger last year. We're going to get into that. And the dynamic, they were taking, uh, working with physios later in the evening. They're on the same schedule. 
so it'll be fun that you guys will hear the insight he had on how him and Tiger would give each other trouble, uh, make fun of each other there as they were on, as they were training and and going through physio stuff. So yeah, really fun stuff. I think you're gonna like a lot of the content we get into with Xander. Of course, he's been knocking on the door in majors, so that's a big, big topic and multifaceted topic of this interview. Um, you're gonna love some of the the music you hear his, his musical choices and um his favorite series movie series there's just some good lighter stuff too we talk about masters of course we get into what it's gonna be like without fans and of course i was lucky just the 11th hour it was literally 11 a.m when i did the interview on uh, last wednesday with him 11 a.m the news came out of, of augusta saying there would be no patrons on on the, on the grounds this year. And I had Xander on an hour later. That's how close we were. So lucky to, to, uh, with the timing on that one to get in some questions about, about what it's going to be like, what he's kind of guessing it'll be like out there at Augusta with no fans. So anyway, we're going to get to Xander here in just a minute. Of course, as I mentioned just a second ago, this is the playoffs. This is a big time of the year. I've got to be honest, like these playoffs have been kind of shoved down our throat by the tour. I mean, it's a, it's a joke between media, everything. Oh, hey, where are you at with FedEx Cup points? What does this do? What is that? And we look so early on in the season. A lot of times I feel like that happens uh, and so discussed. But what I will say is, the playoffs are really grown on me. I, I really, especially when I see players, because in my opinion, it's about the underdogs, right? A lot of times the playoffs can open the doors for underdogs. As we saw with Tony Finau a couple years ago, it was because he played well enough in the playoffs to get to that last stage into the Tour Championship. And that opened up his whole next year, getting him into the majors. And that happens enough, I think, in the in the in the playoffs to where you can actually make a really good run the next year and and get some momentum. And we saw that with Tony Fina. That helped him get into the team events because he was playing so well in the majors and, and top tanning immediately in the masters, even though, of course, he had the dislocated ankle and all that stuff. So anyway, I, I loved what he was able to do that one year in Chicago about three years back. Uh, that was able to get him into the Masters. So who's he going to be this year? As we look at the list, I'm recording this the Friday night of Greensboro. So I, that's why we're not getting into what exactly happened at Greensboro, which is a huge weekend of itself. I love the emotion, the raw emotion you see from Greensboro. But what are you guys expecting out of this playoff run here for the FedEx Cup? Squeeze it in. we got uh, TPC Boston, of course. We'll get into on the other side of this interview. Uh, we've got Boston in the rotation this year. Last year it wasn't. It was in New York, and now it's in Boston. That very first event, Northern Trust, they alternate now. So we're we're seeing the alternate year with Boston. Anyway, a lot going on. I hope you're going to love this Xander interview. I enjoyed it. Xander was great. Uh, gave us about 25, 30 minutes. So we'll get straight to it. Xander Schauffele, four-time winner on the PGA Tour, joins here on Beyond the Clubhouse. Well, pleased to be joined by my next guest here, Xander Schauffele, four-time winner on the PGA Tour. And Xander, well, what's going on today? How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Just uh, happy to be back in the warmer part of California, San Diego. Well, yeah, just wanted to ask you, we're coming off of another major championship, another close call for you, a good run there in San Francisco. What was kind of your takeaway from the week there? 
seeming, seemingly close at one point, um, not close at all at the end. Uh, it was it was exciting for a bit. I, I did not think, in all honesty, someone would get to 13. But I guess that's just how good everyone is these days. And um, it was a pretty pretty big win by Colin there. Uh, how he did it, pretty pretty nice fashion with the leaderboard as well. So I was chasing for a while. I thought I, I could have gotten to about 11, I think, on Sunday if I you know made made a few putts inside 10 feet. Obviously, I made a lot of putts outside, but just like a three footer, a seven footer, nine or 10 footers, a couple of them. So. Um, it's one of those rounds you really have to be special, but I think as far as I would have gotten is maybe 11. Um, so it wouldn't have been enough to win anyways. And I guess that makes me feel a little more at ease in a sense. Well, sir, I can understand that for sure. And well, you're talking about missing cer certain putts and, and you have a, of course, a memory of what it was like on Sunday. How do you deal with that? And it's a big event, you know, you've been in the mix so much in the majors, but how do you deal with, with some of those missed opportunities as you look back on them? Yeah, it's pretty – it's become easier, I guess, with no fans. Um, it's sort of like you're not in a practice round. Obviously, everyone's trying to win, and, and it's a little more intense. But the feeling of majors I've had in the past versus, you know, this one now is you're kind of to yourself and with your caddy, and you don't really think about what you did. You're just excited to get to the next hole, which is the same when there are fans or crowds. But – you do maybe feel worse when you miss a three footer in front of a bunch of people or they'll let you hear it. Or um, there's just more emotion involved when there's a lot of people out there and, you know, you hear the roars, there's just, there's more to deal with. And so I think it's bouncing back without fans seems easier just purely based on the fact that it's quiet and it's kind of serene and there's not really a whole lot going on. Definitely. I, Different atmosphere. I mean, I was out there as well, just seeing how crazy it was. What do you make? We had a recent announcement from Augusta National um, that said that there will be no patrons, no you know fans at, at the Masters. Um, what is that going to be like? This is, you know, you've gone through major championship now already, but still, this is the Masters. This is where you had had seen you, down the stretch, you were so much of that part of that story at last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it's awesome. You know, I think when you think of Augusta and the Masters, you think of many things, but, you know, um, anywhere from, you know, Tiger's red on Sunday to just a bunch of people yelling is sort of what I remember watching on TV. And so when you're out there, you want, you want that, you want sort of what you dreamt of uh, to be a reality out there, which it was for me, uh, you know, kind of being in the hunt there Sunday with the roars and Tiger playing well and, and all the above. So, um, it was very dramatic, and it's going to be different. It's going to be quiet. It's going to be eerie. Um, it just seems like you hear a lot more stuff than you should when there's no fans, if that makes sense. Uh, anything from, like, an, another ball hitting a green, uh, if you're on a tee box, to, you know, a main insert or media guy, you know, dropping something out of a cart from 200 yards away. You just It's funny how, you know, all of us seem to have mouse ears now that there's no one out there versus kind of the white noise of crowds. But, you know, I think everyone's just happy that we'll be able to compete at the, at the Masters this year versus not. And um, we'll just kind of see how it goes. Well, it's such a, a tournament we all love. I mean, as players, as, as fans, ourselves on TV, whatever, it's just such a huge one. Um, you were right there. You down the stretch on 17 in the mix, really needing to, to make birdie there to really stay in it with Tiger 
you, then you also, after, after you didn't finish maybe the way you wanted, um, you were, you saw the, the reaction to Tiger and the crowd reaction and him with his, his son. And, and you were right there with him. You said, congratulations to him going into the scoring area. What was that melee like? It was, um, a great sporting moment. I would say, um, in any, in any sport, I guess that, that would be sort of, a, especially for our game, very historic. And it was just cool to, as weird as it sounds, just to be a part of it. You know, I was competing, trying to win and didn't, and I just couldn't be happier. Um, selfishly, it's good for golf. <laughs> it's good for me that he won, uh, even though I didn't win, um, uh, looking at a brighter note, but it just, how cool it was to see him embrace his kid kind of like how he embraced his dad. I'm obviously close with my dad. So I kind of know how special of a moment, you know, that would be, uh, if it were, ever, if it were to ever happen. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, you played so well in the majors. I want to ask you about that. Um, especially you had final pairing experience with Jordan Spieth in the 2018 open championship in Carnoustie. You had a putt there on, I believe it was 16, just horseshoot out. Had that gone in? Maybe we're talking about a playoff of Molinari. Maybe if you birdie 18 at that point, maybe you win outright. I mean, just so many little little things. But what is it for you? I mean, how hungry are you to get that first major, being that you've been right there? Yeah, I, I think I'm very hungry. You know, I'm trying to stick to sort of the pillars that got us there, you know, um, Watching Colin win is is obviously very fast and makes I think all the young guys wake up a little and make make us a little more hungry. You know this this kid just came out and, and managed to do it uh, second go around. Um, why can't we do it? So um, I think he's definitely you know put a put the younger guys on on watch um, in terms of you know hunger to win to win majors even more now than before. Just because it is sort of, you know, as our sports gone on, majors are sort of a, the tournament that you know you got to be at the right age, you got to do the right things, you got to pay your dues, and now you have this kid come out and win his second one. Doesn't really doesn't really care what everyone else thinks, which is kind of how we all think. He's just managed to muster up and do it versus talking about it. So um, pretty hungry, and like I said, just going to try and stick to my process and what's made me play well in majors and not really get ahead of get ahead of anything and just kind of stick to what stick to what I do best what have you learned about yourself your game because I, I know I remember I walked with you and Cameron Champ there in 2017 the, old, the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills mm. just killed it that first day and really got in into the mix you've been such a big part of these majors what have you really learned and taken away as as we go forward here yeah I mean they're there are harder tournaments to win for sure, usually based on setup. So I feel like I have an advantage in, in those big tournaments, just based on the course playing harder conditions, playing harder. Just, I kind of, I kind of, uh, sorry, phone call here. I kind of like to play, uh, on harder golf courses. Typically, you know, I, I'll kind of shy away from a week where 25 under wins just cause it's not really my cup of tea. Not that I don't think I can do it. I just, I would rather try and grind out, you know, pars um, and bogeys if I have to on, on a harder golf course. So, you know, I think I've just learned that I'm, I'm comfortable in these in these uh, bigger spotlights and whatever my team is doing to get me ready, it seems to work. And even though we haven't had, you know, the ultimate success, we've had a little and there's sort of 
no reason to really change what we're doing and kind of just stay the course and, and we should be good to go. Well, speaking about your team, your caddy, Austin Kaiser, of course, a fellow Aztec, what is it like to have him on the bag? How, how cool is that, obviously, here as pro? Yeah, it's, it's comforting. You know, it's, um, we've, we've, our relationship's grown uh, along with the work that we've done together. And starting off, it was, it was, it was a lot more of a, a comforting thing. He wasn't, I wasn't very good, and he wasn't a very good caddy just because he's never really done it, and I was, you know, I was a rookie. So we sort of made all our mistakes together, and uh, I was aware that caddies are variables out on tour, and I, I wanted to make sure that variable for my team was constant. So, um, you know, we've both made mistakes early that were costly, but we both learned from them, and, you know, I figured if we kind of stay the course, just like I said before, we'll, we'll be able to succeed in the long run. And um, just pretty, yeah, I feel pretty fortunate to have him by my side. And of course you had him by your side at the president's cup playing for Tiger Woods, captain Tiger Woods. Tell me what, what you're going to always remember about, about that president's cup. Just, you know, it's, it, it is Tiger Woods and um, definitely an, an idol growing up, I'd say. And, uh, it was just it was just cool to see how like relaxed and he he was really able to communicate with all of us I think and even though I'm much younger than he is I picked on him for being old all the time the whole week and he was just he was so cool about you know telling stories and um, I got to know him a little bit better uh, we both did sort of our physio work kind of late at night after everyone else was done uh, just due to scheduling with with other players and so just sort of our physios and myself and Tiger kind of, you know, either jumping in and out of the ice bath or just kind of getting worked on. And we sort of, you know, we're hanging out and kind of shooting the shit, I guess, and kind of got to know each other better. And it's just a really, really chill dude. And you can tell he's, I wouldn't say he's at the back end of his career, but he's, he's definitely, you know, his, his values have changed. He's, he's kind of a family man now and he's more relatable than he used to be. And, you know, he may have been a miserable captain, 20 years ago in his prime competing days, you know what I mean? But he was just so cool um, and made it, made it really fun for me uh, in my first appearance. Well, you mentioned um, making fun of him for his age. I mean, here you are ice boxes, you know, different things to, to heal up. So, so what's an example of how you would poke fun at Tiger? Cause I mean, the guy's 43 at that point. Yeah. Not to be he's 40 just waking up, you know, he just was slow to get off the table and you know, he's, 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 he is an athlete. One of the few golfers that are actually athletes, I'd say is Tiger, but that's why I probably pick on him even more. I mean, he's, he's, his body's been through the ringer and it takes him longer to warm up and kind of cool down and get going and, you know, he's not a spring chicken anymore. So that was sort of the way I'd pick on him. Just, you know, not, nothing too offensive. He still was a captain and I had to show some respect here and there, but I didn't shy away from, from, from dishing out a little bit. You got a needle and you got to be able to take it too. I mean, did you have to take any, any fire from him or no? Yeah. You know, I was a rookie. Was, the hazing ritual wasn't very bad at all. Um, but it was, it was funny. You know, we had to do a few, uh, honey dudes throughout the tournament in terms of you know grabbing someone's shoes or carrying someone's bag or doing something kind of ridiculous but it wasn't it wasn't very bad so the needling was 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 all in fun and it was, it was a really good time did you have to grab like a bag for one of the veterans or what which yeah it was, it was just funny because gary woodland was we had a couple rookies and obviously me being young i was very much a rookie because i'm young but you know shocked shocked that gary was a rookie as well you know obviously with his resume you would imagine he wouldn't be but Kusher was giving Gary a hard time, you know, making him grab his bag and stuff. It was just funny. I mean, everyone knows, everyone on the team was, was 
got along so well just because we know each other from playing out on the road. And it was, it was a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to be part of that team. And that's great that you talk about the camaraderie, just the closeness of, of the teams. The Ryder Cup, of course, was such a goal, I know, for you. And, and I know you were in uh, the car going to the airport in Chicago. This is what your caddy, Austin, told me when you guys got the call from Captain Fuhrer mm-hmm. two years ago. He said, hey, I'm going to pick someone else. I'm going to pick Tony Finau. Um, how have, have you taken that as, as motivation here as you prepare and look ahead ultimately to getting on a Ryder Cup? Yeah, always. You know, I try to look at the the, the brighter side. Um, maybe not instantly, but at the end of the day, I'll you know when, when I go to bed, it usually is is the brighter way to look at it. But it was it was, I wasn't shocked at all. You know, I I felt if I I knew if I won that tournament at Aronimink, I I would have had a really good chance of getting on the team, and I didn't. You know, I had my chance. I think I left out a putt on the last to get into a playoff. So it was I was right there, and I was close, and I just didn't do enough. Uh, Tony was just a bulldog that year and it was hard to compete when he just didn't know how to not top three in any tournament he played. in. so, um, Tony's one of my good friends and I was, you know, texting him. I was happy for him. And, um, I told Jim, I understood. And like you said, yeah, I just added to the fire and made me realize, you know, just make it easy on yourself and make sure you're not a pick, you know, just leave yourself out of the pick picking loop and just qualify naturally. And then you don't need to, dodge or avoid these phone calls that are kind of awkward and um you know i think if i don't know i honestly have no idea what the Ryder cup now i know it got canceled obviously but i don't with the qualifying system i i think i would have been in if if it was occurring right now um and of course i got put back so i just gotta put my head back down and, and, and keep competing and, and make sure i i protect my spot on the team I hear you there for sure. Yeah, it's it's a, such a coveted team to be on. Uh, you mentioned, of course, Austin, your 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 caddy, and then of course Tony Finau. So many friends you've made on the tour as a pro. But the game of golf, I, I love the friendships, the lasting relationship, relationships we all make from the game. Mm-hmm. Who else comes to mind as as some people you're like, wow, I've met this these people through this game. You know, maybe from France or from Ireland or other other countries. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I guess my background's fairly international. Um, I, you know, playing on the U.S. tour, there aren't a whole lot. You know, we do have a, a few Brits out on tour that I've, you know, played with and competed against. Uh, uh, but in terms of, you know, in terms of like practice rounds, I'll play. You know, kind of. Typically, I like to play by myself unless I'm sort of playing a game. But. Um, I sort of try to stick to myself and, and my team sort of in preparation. Uh, obviously playing a, a team, team event made me closer to all the guys that were on that team that week, just in terms of seeing each other in locker to on the course or anywhere. We kind of have that bond that we shared and that will never be forgotten. So it's, that's kind of a cool thing to have uh, versus not having it all. And, uh, but for the most part, I'd say I, I've never, I haven't really gotten too close to anybody, uh, kind of just it is an individual sport and we do have our own teams and everyone's trying to compete you know I'd say I'm, I'm pretty much I'm friendly with many guys on tour just uh, in like a working relationship type deal I guess um, but in terms of like getting dinner and hanging out I sort of kind of stick stick to my guns and kind of hang out with my own team I don't really go out to too many like player dinners uh, stuff like that I kind of keep it at the course you know have lunch with some of the guys and breakfast but for the most part uh kind of try to be a loner i guess 
Do some rapid fire questions here. Uh, favorite non-golf sports event you've watched ever? Um, does that have to be in, in person or can it be televised? That can be, uh, can, that can be either or. Very entertaining. Probably um, championship, NBA championship finals, I'd say. Um, can't remember which year it was. It was probably it was Cleveland and Golden State. It was one of the dramatic uh, – probably when – Austin's a huge LeBron fan, so whenever – we used to room together a lot, and he'd always have the games on. And um, Not that I didn't want to watch it, but uh, that was probably it. Man, yeah. Uh, 2016 was the year that they came back from the 3-1 deficit. Um, favorite moment you've had watching your beloved uh, San Diego Aztecs uh, play – football or basketball where you've been in person? Um, when they beat, um, gosh, who was it? It was probably when they went to Kansas, I'd say. Watching that one was pretty cool. When Kansas was, you know, top top five team, top ten team probably. When you're totally unplugged from golf, Xander, and, and we're talking about like just not even an off week, just like totally unplugged, what's your favorite way to spend your time? with my girlfriend and my dogs in, in this day and age, it's become very much a, a dog and girlfriend, whether going to the beach or taking them out and letting them run around. It's sort of a very relaxing thing for me to do. Gotcha. What about, what are a couple of your favorite public golf courses that we can all play? Torrey Pines is up there. Probably Torrey Pines. I'd, I'd highly recommend to anyone. Your go-to all-time favorite band or musician? Um, that is a great question. It's, it's very, a lot. Used to listen to all the hip hop, gotten some older music. Um, something I can always listen to the timeless, probably red hot chili peppers, something I can have on and it will not bother me or fire me up too much. It's very relaxing. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, what's the last series you've been binge watched? I watched, um, on Netflix. Gosh, what's it called? I'm pulling a blank on it. I just I just binge watched like six or seven seasons seasons of it. Uh, Blacklist, sorry. Oh, Blacklist. Yeah, gotcha. that was sort of the last thing I watched. It was sort of something that was nice for me to watch on the road, and it was kind of not not much to think of. I hear you, man. That's what's all about unplugging a little bit. Um, listener questions uh, here. At um, Ben Coley Golf says on Twitter, he wants to know about your regripping. You had mentioned that recently. Yeah, I. The regripping, I've used to have more of a problem with it. Um, yeah, I said it. My interviews were Sergio esque. Wasn't even trying to knock on him, but you know, I, I feel comfortable enough with Sergio now. I can kind of you know pick at him if I have to. But it was sort of my right hand. I was trying to make weaker, which is sort of more over the club. Um, kind of get my you know hand more over the club this this way, I guess. And so it just felt very uncomfortable, and I kept trying to put it more more and more over and it kept sliding a little stronger and I kept putting it more and more over and it was sliding stronger and so I had a really hard time pulling the trigger um, feeling comfortable with the grip being weaker mm. also another question uh, at Mr. Aaron underscore Ray said um, a lot of tournaments you almost win you mentioned punting wasn't quite there wasn't quite good enough to get it done at least that, that was his observation is there anything you've adjusted there you know the last recent few, few months here yeah yeah I, I mean, 
nothing crazy kind of just going back to some some older sort of feels i guess i kind of went back to my old putter that i was using uh, that i won in hawaii and in, in china with uh since this quarantine it's the same it's kind of same shaft same grip same everything um different putter face uh material but kind of went back to an old friend and uh, i've been using using it since uh colonial so it's it's been my punting was really poor pre-quarantine and since we've come out of quarantine it's been it's been much better Mark Rolfing, as you know, from NBC Golf Channel, has a question. How did your upbringing prepare you for your, the mental toughness to get to where you are now? Yeah. Uh, my dad being my swing coach, my mental coach, my manager, dad, uh, kind of a bunch of different hats, caddy at one point. Um, I think that sort of taught me to be more patient. You know, I did he was the patient one for a very long time and, um, he kind of his patience rubbed off on me uh, in terms of kind of teaching me and helping me understand, you know, when I was going through puberty and being a punk and all that stuff. And he stuck it through, and basically his life lessons that he had to learn sort of the hard way have rubbed off on me and have made me sort of appreciate everything and have a little more gratitude. Um, so definitely, my dad sort of and, and my international upbringing from my mom as well, um, being Taiwanese, born in Japan sort of bring in that whole respect aspect to the table and, and teach me to be more calm and, and how to handle things kind of internally uh, initially. And then kind of my dad helping me let it out uh, naturally was sort of a good combo for me to have. So I feel very blessed to have my parents. Very good. Last aspect of this interview. I want to ask, ask you a little bit about for us amateur golfers, what can we do to improve our pre-range warmups? And I know for you, you've got such a fluid swing, such good rhythm. How can we work on our rhythm best on the, on the range? That's a good question. Um, typically, uh, I'd say the thing I see with amateurs a lot, and I understand it, golfing with your buddies is just fun to go out and golf with your buddies. Uh, but some sort of regiment stretching or warm-up activation, kind of anything you can do uh, in the parking lot, whether you have sort of a heavy club or – some sort of stretching pole or something to sort of um, fortunately I'm able to play golf for a living. So I have a physio that kind of helps me warm up and I have two actually one here in San Diego, one on the road and they help me warm up and make sure my body's good. I understand that the average golfer does not want to have that, but if you can look up sort of stretches, golf stretches, um, there's a ton you can do standing up against your car before you hit any golf balls. I think that'll help the fluidity of your swing just because your muscles aren't as tight and it'll also shorten your range time to where you feel like you need to sit there and find it before you play against your buddies. Yeah. And that's on the range. Understandable. What about the practice areas as we, you know, we've got so many options with bunkers and chipping, like what, what do you want to stress for us? Uh, typically short game related. Um, I'd say, uh, I mean, it depends how serious a golfer is. If you're just having a good time, then just make sure you have a good time. But um, if you're just trying to improve, I'd say it'd be good to sort of write down what you're really good at and write down what you're really bad at. And certain days when you're controlling the golf ball a little better than others, you can really avoid certain things that you're not good at. Or if maybe you want to hit your driver because you feel like you're hitting it good, but your driver is going to leave you in a number you're not very good at. Of course, our, our stack guys on tour would tell us to hit the driver anyways, but I would recommend playing to your strengths is a very important thing and an easy way to sort of drop a lot of shots off your score. And then in, in your private time, you can kind of get a few lessons and work on, you know, if you're not good out of the bunker, you can work on the bunker 
bunch of shots. But if you're at, the, you know, if you're sitting there with a three wood in your hand, you're like, I got to hit this perfect to cover the bunker. The miss is going to be in the bunker. So might as well just kind of lay it out to the side and short of it and then chip up on the green. I know it sounds very lame, but if you're really trying to improve your score, um, that's one way to do it. Yeah. And what about putting just so that we're as prepared as we can with the couple minutes, few minutes we have? Yeah, I, I'd say um, for me, starting out when I was putting, um, I would always hit sort of, I'd find a straight putt. Um, but in terms of that's too technical, I feel like the best way to do it is sort of hit a few short putts just to sort of get some confidence, hear the ball go in the hole. And then I would recommend hitting a lot of long putts. Um, it's important to get this, the, the, the feel for the green in terms of speed. Uh, if your speed's good, even if your reads aren't great, uh, if your reads close enough and your speed is good, the hole's a lot bigger versus you running it by back and forth. And I've seen so many amateurs struggle with speed on the greens and really it stresses them out. And it's not fun to have, you know, those three or four footers coming back all day. So just hit a bunch of kind of long lag putts and get a feel for the speed of the greens. If you only have, you know, a couple minutes. Good stuff. Well, Xander, Hey, appreciate you jumping on, uh, beyond the clubhouse with me and, Enjoy the rest of the season. We've got a couple majors coming up. The playoffs, I know you've you played pretty darn well at that uh, playoff finale in the past. So good luck, Looking man. Forward to it, yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, my thanks to Xander Shoffley there on that interview. I thought I thought he, sh- he showed a lot, especially when we got into the closeness on tour and some of the other players. Yes, he's close with them during the team event. That was his first one there, the President's Cup last year fun to hear about the rookie hazing and about his time he spent with tiger and physio but there is a, an undertone to what he said in the end he said he doesn't mind being the loner out here kind of just sticking with his team sticking to his guns and what he does and i i like what i've heard from xander in this interview in terms of i already told you i'm putting the house on him winning a major here in the next couple of years i i'm even more convinced after really kind of breaking down what he's learned from these majors what they mean to him in these close calls, being in the final pairing with Jordan Spieth at the Open Championship. I mean, this guy, like I said from the get-go, his first ever start in a major championship, tied for fifth, outside chance of winning on that Sunday, starting the day. The kind of experience he has, look at, couple that with, of course, winning so early in his career, right? In his 23rd start ever on the tour, 21st start as a pro, he wins at Greenbrier, but then he caps it off with his second win, the end of his rookie season, at a prestigious tour championship outside of majors tour championship WGC's players. I mean, this is, this guy was ready to go from the beginning uh, with his tour career. So impressed, big time impressed, but, but couple of the other factors here with, with why he might be ready to win a major. Look, he's got experience being in playoffs against big names. Even this year at Hawaii, he was in a playoff with Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas, of course, Thomas went on to win that, but that kind of experience, I think, really is going to help him. He was in a um, down the stretch in a playoff against Rory uh, towards the end of the year, and he didn't win that one. I get it, but still, I, that kind of experience doesn't grow on trees on the PGA Tour. You know, you've got to play your tail off to get in that kind of position. I think we forget that a lot of times when we look on Wikipedia or look on the tour site and see, oh, okay, this guy top five or this guy top seven or tied for second, tied for third. Well, guess what? What really happened under pressure? And was there a playoff involved? Like how, you know, what did they have to do to get that far? It's so easy to overlook that. So Xander, I think he's, I think the word overlooked factors really well with Xander. I think that's, I think the media overlooks him. 
I really do. I think he doesn't get enough press for how dangerous his game is. We saw it even at Harding Park. Okay, in the end, didn't finish in the top three. I get it. But still, he was right in the mix on Friday, Saturday, parts of Sunday. I mean, had he hadn't gotten a hot enough stretch, I mean, this he could have changed the narrative a little bit. So I just think this experience that he's coupling together is really going to help him. That he's gotten in regular events, that he's gotten in... Of course, events overseas, as I mentioned, China against Rory. This guy is knocking on the doorstep, and I would not be surprised to see him win here and win soon. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Johnston Garrett. Facebook, uh, we got Beyond the Clubhouse on Facebook, as well as my profile on Facebook, Garrett Johnston. Instagram at Garrett Johnston Golf. And then, of course, we got to go back to Twitter here. Uh, Beyond Clubhouse is the Twitter handle. There's a lot we can get to. Appreciate the questions this week. We got some more. We're going to get into some more for these upcoming interviews. I love doing that, and I'm glad Xander seemed to have some good insight on those answers as well. So, hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, look forward to our next Beyond the Clubhouse here. <laughs>